Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash SCT. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Lilly. Welcome to this Peer Voice panel discussion on obesity as a chronic disease. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Andrea Chiodin, Dr. Richard Titus, and patient advocate Vicki Mooney. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Andrea Chodin. I'm an endocrinologist specialized in obesity. I work at the Weidebron University Hospital in Barcelona, Spain. I'm also a member of the executive board of the IASO. And I welcome you to this activity where we'll explore the unmet needs in obesity from the patient perspective, but also from the perspective of the healthcare provider. I am very pleased to have joining me in this discussion, Professor Dr. Richard Titus, a family doctor that practices comprehensive family care with a focus on obesity care and associate professor at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I also welcome Vicky Mooney, a patient advocate and executive director of European Coalition of People Living with Obesity. Uh, as you see, it's uh, a very important topic because obesity is a chronically relapsing disease with a very significant burden. If we look at the numbers from the World Health Organization in 2016, 13% of the adult population was already living with obesity. And if we look at the, the fact that since 1975, the worldwide obesity has nearly tripled, we see that we have a very important topic to discuss and we have some very important unmet needs. And we also have to bear in mind that obesity can be a starting point for many non-communicable diseases, including type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, cancer, and several others. So I would like to ask Rick, what are the tools that primary care physicians use to diagnose obesity? Which is the current status of the art from your perspective? So, so thanks, Andrea. So currently what we're doing in, in primary care is using BMI. And we know BMI is not a good indicator of, of overweight or obesity. So we, we're, we're trying to defer to waist circumference. So in the past, you know, the question is, are we using waist circumference? So we did a survey 10 years ago and we asked our patients uh, in Canada, are you having your waist circumference done? At that time, 14% uh, of the patients had their waist circumference done. So we repeated it five years later. And what do you think the results were? 16, 17, some improvement? <laughs> no, there was no improvement. And in fact, we had to round up the 14%. So we can do better. We clearly have to change the mindset about obesity diagnosis. And speaking of this, Vicky, now that we are trying to change the mindset, or at least we have clear that we have to do it, not only of how obesity is perceived, but also how it is diagnosed. What are your thoughts on this from your perspective as patient and also as patient advocacy? 
I think as a patient, all we ever hear is numbers and the number on the scale, the BMI, the waist circumference. And that's all quite frightening for a patient. But as well, you know, how is the patient's health? How are they feeling? And I think that's an important part of the conversation. And I'm excited that we're actually going to move more into that now as well. Thank you. In my opinion, I think that the biggest barrier to a proper screening for obesity is that many healthcare providers do not consider obesity as a disease, first of all, and as a chronic relapsing disease. And Vicky, from your point of view, do you see some key barriers, other key barriers to a proper obesity diagnosis and a proper management of or initiating the management of obesity? What do you think? Of course, Andrea. I think as a, as a patient, there's many barriers. Weight stigma um, that exists within healthcare is a huge barrier. You know, uh, the environment that the doctor's office is, is the chair large enough? Do they have a blood cuff, or cuff um, for doing my blood pressure that is actually going to fit me? All of these things can be a barrier and can put the patient off. I took 10 years to actually approach my GP about my own obesity. And we know from Action.io studies that as well as that the average person waits between six and nine years. So weight stigma is an, a really big barrier we need to discuss and break down. Thank you. Vicky, you mentioned some very important numbers, nine and 10 years, just to starting the, the management of obesity. And Rick, this question uh, is for you. How common it is to diagnose obesity in the primary healthcare setting and which is the biggest barrier, in your opinion, to initiate an obesity management plan, as we saw that from Vicky's experience? Yeah, Andrea, Andrea I, I struggled with eight to nine years, 10 years before we bring up the issue. And I, and I think we have to overcome healthcare, primary inertia. And, and I, I think we, it's, it's a matter of addressing the issue with the patient, and we're not doing that. Yeah, thank you very much. And Vicky also mentioned stigmatization. And from your personal perspective and also as a patient advocacy, can you tell us something about the stigma that people with obesity may experience when they go to the doctor? And can you give us some examples? I think the experience that people go through in healthcare is very similar to what they um, go through in society where it's believed obesity is just a lifestyle disease. It's your own fault. You are to blame. And if you experience that in healthcare in your visit, that will deter you actually from going any further, asking for any help or support or treatment. So that is what needs to change. Rick, how can we overcome stigma and hesitancy in the healthcare settings since we have mentioned them, both of you have mentioned them, actually? Yeah, so, Andrea, I think it's really important that we educate our medical students, our, our residents, is how to approach the topic, because we have to get over this inertia. This is an exciting time in the treatment and management of obesity. Uh, certainly compared to the last 20 years, we've got so many great medications and, and the pipeline is so full. So the time to act is now. And can you give us some practical advice, Rick, how to initiate conversation with our patients, 
around obesity. What do you think about the five A's of obesity management described by the Canadian guidelines? How can we educate the students and our colleagues and ourselves in starting the conversation? Yeah, so when I reflect on the five A's, the most important and crucial A is the first one, ask. And that's asking, getting permission, engaging with the patient, and in a non-confrontation way, in a friendly way, uh, empathy, humanity. And, and the way I do that, I, I'd ask the patient, hey, how's your weight? And so the patient can respond, hey, doc, thanks for asking. You know, I've been working on my weight. I need help. Or the patient may say, ah, you know, I, I've been exercising, eating less. So that kind of opens the door. And, and then you can go back and, and say, hey, why don't you come back in a month to see me? Or the patient may say, no, I'm okay, but at least you've planted the seed. Yes, indeed. Maybe we should change the mindset not only for the healthcare providers, but also for the people, persons living with obesity and to remove self-stigmatization maybe and help them to start conversation. So Vicky, mm, what do you think? Are we improving on, is the communication around obesity improving? What shall we do? I definitely think this is a change in the right direction. Um, in Canada, you're far uh, more advanced with this than we are here in Europe. And we've made many communication and cultural barriers with how that conversation flows in a GP's office. However, as you said, Rick, planting that seed is so important. Um, 20 years ago, if my own GP had have asked me to have a conversation about my weight, I probably would have been defensive because I self-blamed and a lot of healthcare providers then blamed. But now when you say, hey, can I open a conversation with you at some point? This is really fantastic. This is showing it's a shared relationship, it's a shared partnership, we're going to work together, we're going to have a conversation, and that really helps the patient. Thank you very much. And also, Vicky, mm, what are some things that clinicians should consider when talking about obesity? What do you have to take into consideration when starting the conversation? I think if you think of that loved one that you have who has obesity, because we know it's impossible to not know somebody who has overweight or obesity, think of how you would like them to be treated in the doctor's office if they want to have that conversation. Then you'll very easily get respectful language and a good conversation with them. And as well as that, make the patient and yourself aware that this is lifelong. We don't have a cure for obesity. So this is a shared relationship you're in together. Use positive language and definitely don't blame your patient. I really like very much calling it shared relationship. And I think that we should change the mindset in changing the way that we are performing the medical visits from the directive attitude into the shared relationship and shared decision making. Uh, what do you think, Rick, about this? Yeah, I, Andrea, I, I totally agree. It, it's not the it's not the cut and dry science, but yeah. it, it's the the art and and it's humanity and it's a different culture. And you have to realize it's it's not only the patient; it's that person in front of you, and you have to establish a relationship for the journey. And the journey is a long one; it's a life life lasting journey. Thank you very much.
we are reaching the end of our beautiful discussion and maybe one of us can mention a realistic goal to achieve on some topics, for instance, uh, how to overcome barriers to early diagnosis and management of obesity. Maybe I can think about some strategy to overcome hesitancy as early and respectfully if patients would like to talk about their weight, learn how to start the conversation. Mm, Vicky, what do you think a realistic goal should be about eliminating weight bias and stigma in healthcare from your perspective? I'm aligned with you, Andrea. I think the empathetic, respectful, and the understanding use good terminology. And let's not just talk about the weight. Let's talk about quality of life, a person's health, and get to the origin of why they have obesity. Great. And Rick, what do you think about how communicate effectively around an obesity diagnosis and the next steps in the management of obesity? A realistic goal from your view? It, it, it's, it's important to ask ask permission uh, to build a trustful relationship, but the most important is open the door. Thank you very much. We all agree that this is a shared relationship based on respect. Uh, thank you, Dr. Titus, and thank you, Vicky, for joining me in this interesting and beautiful discussion, and thank you all for watching. See you soon. Goodbye. Hello, I'm Andrea Chodin, endocrinologist at the Videbron University Hospital in Barcelona, Spain. I'm specialized in obesity, and I'm also a member of the IASO Executive Board. I welcome you to this activity where we'll explore why we should now recognize and manage obesity as a chronic relapsing disease. And I'm very pleased to have joining me in this discussion Professor Dr. Richard Titus, a family doctor that practices comprehensive family care with a focus on obesity care, and he's also associate professor at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I also welcome Vicky Mooney, a patient advocate and executive director of European Coalition of People Living with Obesity. And Vicky, do you agree that obesity is a chronic relapsing disease? Andrea, had you asked me uh, 20 years ago, two decades ago, I would have said no, absolutely not, that it was my fault. I had a lifestyle issue. I was not act active enough. I was eating not healthy enough foods. However, I did have treatment in 2005 after a nearly two-year journey, and I lost over 90 kilos in weight, uh, which was fantastic because my quality of life just completely changed. Even then, I didn't realize that I may need further support. So I had one follow-up kind of experience about a year later, and then I was off the grid. I was off my doctor's radar. And unfortunately, six, seven years later, weight regain became a thing. And this was something I was highly unaware of. So uh, I ended up having to have a revision of my original bariatric surgery going back to about two years ago. And now I can understand obesity as a chronic, complex, relaxing disease that I will need lifelong treatment and management for. Thank you, Vicky. And Rick, what do you think? Is obesity a chronic relapsing disease? And how do you feel about Vicky's testimony on this part? Yeah, first of all, Vicky, uh, I have to say, you know, I apologize. We failed you. And we failed so many other patients. And, and I think because it was a different mindset. And it, so we know now 
that it, it's a chronic disease. It's a, it's a long-term process and, and it's a long-term journey. So I, I think we've, we've changed the paradigm and, and thank goodness we did. Yes, and actually the same happens with the treatment duration, not just the, the care and the management for obesity. Many patients and also many healthcare providers ask, how many months do we have to treat? Well, it's a long journey, as Rick, Rick mentioned. And actually, one of the questions that pops up regarding obesity is, when should I refer the patient? And actually, before asking my, my colleagues, I would like to highlight from the beginning that we mentioned that obesity is a chronic relapsing disease. And actually, the main message is not about when should I refer the patient and then forget about the patient. Actually, we have to change the mindset. And this is about continuous interaction between primary care, secondary care, tertiary care during the lifespan of the patient. And I think that the main message is this one. And Rick, please correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception is that many healthcare providers, once they have referred the patient to another clinical uh, care setting, they think that they can forget about the patient or that the patient is fixed once gets there. And I think that this is wrong. We have to be in continuous interaction during the management of the obesity in this patient of, or person living with obesity. What do you think, Rick, on, on this? Yeah, I, I agree, Andrea. And it, it's a, it's a long-term journey. And, and when I teach the medical residents, I say it, it's like diabetes. It's, it's, it's lifelong. And I think it's important that uh, the primary care physicians understand that. I think it's important that the patients understand that. So I have patients that come to me and say, doc, I want to lose uh, weight uh, because I want to get into a dress. And, and you know, I, I, I'll, I'll see you for three to six months. But no, it's not a three to six months. It's it's a lifelong journey. And, and during that journey, there's going to be times when I'm going to need your help. So I may have to refer to a tertiary center or, or I may have to return to, to the bariatric clinic. But at all times, I'm the primary care provider and I have to be with the patient during the whole journey. I totally agree with you. And now that we are starting to change the narrative about the obesity management, maybe we should start to change the narrative um, uh, regarding speaking about one obesity as one disease. Actually, now we know that there are many types of obesity or obesities. Actually, in diabetes, things started like this with one type, two types, and now we know that we have more than 30 types of diabetes. I think that maybe we should bear in mind this point and maybe, for instance, the type of obesity that's, that Vicky has is not the same as my patients or Rick's patients, and we can't just keep applying the one-size-fits-all strategies. Which are your thoughts on this, Rick, and then Vicky from a patient perspective? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really important when we talk to our patients or we speak to our patients, we start this journey together that we're on the same page. I, I think what's happening now is uh, 
patients and, and healthcare providers are looking at the ideal weight. And we're not talking about an ideal weight. We're talking about healthy weight. What makes our patients healthier, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Rick. And I love that you have that approach. And I think as a patient, I look at various colleagues that I have who are patients also, who are similar to myself, you know, um, in menopause, uh, middle-aged, white lady with children. Um, if you put it down on a chart, you probably say, yes, we'll treat them both the same. However, the various NCDs I now have from having obesity means that I need to be treated in a different way to some of my colleagues. I need a personalized treatment. So my obesity is very different to many of my colleagues and advocates that I work with. So thank you for bringing this up. Thank yep. you both for your answers. And actually, I think that now it's the time to start thinking about obesity and not just obesity because now we have different tools to diagnose and to manage obesity as we have in other chronic diseases. Now we can, we know more about lifestyle changes, nutrition exercise, psychological support, bariatric surgery, now we have pharmacological interventions. We have to be able to tailor these strategies and to adapt to our patients' obesities. Mm, on this background, Maybe we can have a short conversation on how to set realistic goals around obesity management. Are we actually on the same page with our patients? Vicky, what do you think? Can you comment on that, please? Of course. Um, I actually believe we are getting to that point where we're looking at what's realistic for the patient, what's manageable for the patient. So we now know that the patient needs to focus on their health and what is what can they really improve on and do it together? This is a shared relationship. You're doing this together with your healthcare provider. And Rick, what are your thoughts on these goals? Yeah, I, I think we're, I agree with Vicky, we're changing the scenarios where we're getting away from a, a dry clinical uh, uh, focus. So we're, we're trying to get away from the BMI. Uh, so there is no ideal weight. You have to treat that patient in front of you. So your patient has terrible knee osteoarthritis. You want to lose 10, 20 pounds. That's what your goal is. If your patient has difficulty getting out of the chair, you know, maybe you might have to lose 20, 30 pounds. That's what the goal is. So every goal is different and it's not chart-based, but patient-based. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that we have to focus on these goals, on our patients' goals. And this is another change that maybe we have to, to take into the account that we should have to change the style of the medical visits from the directive perspective to the shared decision-making and sharing things with the patients, know about their goals and try to, to reach them. So in conclusion, we saw from this great conversation that we had, Rick, Vicky, and I, that uh, when we are speaking about obesity management as a chronic relapsing disease, it's really important to change the mindset and to, to establish um, strategies for the management of obesity from a holistic point of view, because treating a person with obesity is about establishing a bidirectional relationship like a partnership during the, the, the whole life of the patient and is also very important 
the collaboration between the healthcare providers during the lifespan of the person living with obesity. So I would like to hear from you, Vicky and Rick, which are your thoughts on, on this as a conclusion for this session? I think as a patient, I, you know, I think of how important it is that we are just stepping away from lifestyle only and we're actually looking at, you know, other evaluations, whether it's in around epigenics or whether it's around the socioeconomics. I think it's really important that, you know, we're actually having a, a shared approach now. And Rick, I'd love your thoughts on it as well. I'm such a fan. Yeah. So, so I, I agree. I, I think we have to get away from the concept of the patient. It's the person in front of you and it's a shared journey and it's a journey based upon trust and understanding and during that journey, you're going to be bringing in different specialties. You know, you might need to bariatric surgeon. You might need to see the endocrinologist. But it's a long-term process. And working together, we can definitely make a difference. So now we reach the, the end of this session. And thank you very much, Rick. Thank you, Vicky, for joining me in this very interesting and important discussion on the topic of obesity as a chronic relapsing disease. And actually, I enjoyed it very much. It was a very relaxed and friendly session. I hope that you did too. And I hope that everybody watching was enjoying the session. Thank you very much for being here and see you soon. Goodbye. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.